Hi, it's Zoe. And my question for you today is, do you want to be a leader that others want to follow? Well, of course you do. <laughs> and chances are you're doing a pretty damn good job of it. But there might be some things that you think are doing a good job with that and are really undermining your efforts to be a great leader. So in today's show, we're going to take a deep dive into what are the mistakes you might be doing um, when it comes to developing others. Okay, let's do it. Welcome to the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast, where we share all things people stuff in leadership. Learn from leaders who have done the hard yards and learn from experience. Hear from expert authors about the latest insights from culture to strategy and messy people dynamics. Get tips and insights from multiple award-winning author and leadership expert herself, Zoe Routh. Now, on with the show. Well, we are at episode 196 in the podcast. Who knew that this thing would keep going five years in, but here we are, and episode 200 is coming up pretty soon. I'm pretty thrilled about it too. Okay, and thanks for all those who keep tuning in, and I really appreciate it. And I just love bringing this content to you because I know it's having an impact. I really appreciate any feedback that you have. Uh, send me an email, zoe at intercompass.com.au. Would love to hear what you're enjoying and how you're putting into practice the things that you hear. So a couple of personal updates from me. My new novel, yes, I am writing my very first novel, continues apace. It is like one of the easiest things I've ever written. <laughs> it just kind of flies off my fingers through the keyboard, which is pretty exciting. And uh, it, I'm what they call a pantser, I've discovered. A pantser is somebody who writes by the seat of their pants. I have a general plan, but the story unfolds as I tell it, as I ask what's going on for these characters, what are their struggles, and what kinds of experiences are they going to have in order to help them process their experiences and learn as, as characters. And uh, yeah, it's really fun. I really hope to have the first draft done by middle of this year, so June 2021. So that's the plan. Uh, further updates will follow. And if you want to follow along on some of the updates, you can go to my Goodreads page, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you. And that's where I'll be putting little little mini blogs and updates about the book as I progress there on my author's page. Okay, what else? I've been doing a heap of culture and strategy days with different organizations. Of course, the new year is often a great time to reflect and plan, especially after 2020, the year that's been. And one of the organizations, they did not meet in person at all during 2020. And this will be their first face-to-face -face gathering. And we're lucky here in Canberra, the conditions are such that we have been free of community spread for months and months and months. And so it's a fairly safe environment, but you never know, it just takes one. Uh, in any case, we are gathering, we're reflecting on the year that's been, and we are shifting our, our strategy to address the current situation uh, with all the unknowns in play. And that's really fun work. I love doing this kind of work with big picture thinkers. Um, so that's a lot of fun stuff that's happening. We've got our next amplifiers immersion coming up and we have two streams. We have the virtual immersion. That's where people who are uh, cannot travel uh, to Canberra can join us 
and do their very own immersion online. And our, we're taking a deep dive into two topics. We're finishing up the Project U topic from this past quarter and kicking off the Developing Other Leaders topic. So that's all happening February 11th virtually and the live face-to-face -face one in Canberra on the 12th. It's not too late to join us. We are actively recruiting new participants to both the Canberra chapter as well as the virtual team. I would love to hear from you if you are thinking about where can you get the support you need to grow and evolve as a leader in an amazing community of like-minded folks. So the link will be in the show notes or you can go to zoerouth.com slash amplifiers hyphen program. Okay. Oh yeah. And the other thing that I seeded and mentioned in the last podcast was Secrets of Elite Executive Teams, my new free mini course, is now open for registration. It kicks off on March the 3rd, I think it is, <laughs> the first Tuesday in March. Three, three weeks, uh, three one-hour webinars with lots of juicy workbooks, checklists to help you progress and develop your own elite executive team. So the link to the registration page will be in the show notes for you. Do join us and it'll give you a taste of my facilitation style and uh, will guarantee to get give you huge value of how you can progress and develop your own elite executive team. Okay, that's all the news and updates. So our topic today is be the leader others want to follow. Of course, every leader wants to be a good leader. I think every leader wants to be a good leader. The mystery is how do we do that and how do we do it well? And what are some of the common mistakes that we make? Well, one of the challenges we face as leaders is how do we get more done better? <laughs> is that proper grammar? <laughs> I'm not sure. But that is a big question, right? So how do we be a leader that others want to follow? And how do we get more done in a better way? Uh, faster, more quickly, more efficiently, more effectively. And often that's with our teammates. And this is the big shift that leaders need to make uh, when they come to realize that if they're going to get more results, better results, they really need to level up, first of all, their own game, how they're operating as a leader, how they're managing their own energy, time, resources, etc as well as facilitate that in others. Hence the theme for this quarter on developing other leaders. And the immediate pushback that many leaders face is, hmm, what does this mean for me if I am creating a team of leaders? Is this a threat to me? And I think whether they articulate it or not, there is often a sense of, hmm, fear associated with developing the expertise and talent of those around us. Because what if they do it better than us? What if they get ambitious for my for your job? Well, good oh, <laughs> that's a good thing, right? Because you want people who are actively engaged in uh, building better organization and building better job and building better outcomes. And if you feel that that's a threat to you, we got some personal work to do. It's a leadership maturity shift that we need to make. And the big shift is going from achiever in the, on the integral leadership model, going from achiever to individualist is one of the, the key significant shifts. It's going from somebody who can create an outcome with a team to creating a team of leaders who can leverage all of that. And there is a subtle distinction. But this the shift of moving from somebody who galvanizes the resources of a team to somebody who accelerates the resources of the team by leveraging their talent is a, quite a, a significant one. Um, what we need to do is 
as leaders is first change how we define success. And this is what the pushback can often be about, right? So our definition of success before uh, we think of ourselves as amplifiers, people who can amplify results and amplify the talent of others, has been about achieving results. So how do we go from point A to point B? And if we are going to up-level the talent or increase the talent of those around us, maybe we have to loosen the reins a little bit on who's in charge. And this whole loss of control is one of the other issues that people face when they look at developing others. It's like, if I empower, I hate that word because it's, it's, it's so condescending, right? I'm going to give you power. I'm going to put power in you. Everybody has power in them. Um, if you are going to help people become more outstanding in their work, in their talent, in their expertise, it means you've got to make room for them. And so how you define yourself as a leader becomes critically important here. If you have to be the smartest one in the room, you've got challenges. If you're the one who has to solve the problems, you've got challenges. If you're the one who has to make all the decisions, oh, you've got big challenges. These are some of the things that we need to throw out the window. So first of all, I think we need to get a little bit more of a clear picture on what is an amplifier, somebody who wants to produce bigger and better results. They are wise and compassionate, and they have a strong intention to produce bigger and better results for not only the benefit of themselves, their team, their organization, but the community at large. So they have a bigger scope, a bigger horizon to contend with. Uh, amplifiers know that what got them here won't get them there. So I described one of those critical shifts, right? It's like, how do we define success? What's meaningful to us? And what do we need to let go of? I.e., a bit of control That's, um, is one of the things you need to let go of. If you're listening to this, please consider yourself an amplifier. And one of the key attributes of an amplifier is being hungry for learning and development. And it's, it's one of the key prerequisites. So there's an element of humility that comes into that. Because if you think you already know everything and you're just listening to this to say, yep, got that, got that, got that, yeah, you're in trouble. You got a big, massive blind spot there. So what we want is for people to be open, open and hungry for new ideas, new strategies to experiment with to experiment with to help you be better, to help others be better. And one of the key things I mapped out recently, what are the values, beliefs, and goals that are significant attributes of an amplifier? And the values are, they shift a little bit. And from a developmental perspective, it's a transcend and include model, which means we grow and evolve from where we came before. We don't discard it completely. So there is an element of the usefulness of the achiever mindset and practices that we need to bring forward with us to consolidate and also to be mindful of the shadow of that. So the new values that we have as an amplifier build on what came before. So we have the value of community. Now, chances are, as an achiever, you had a value of community, but it was probably a smaller definition of that. Um, the, the value that we build on to get into community is really the value of, of achievement, hence the word achiever. And when we value achievement, we realize that we do better in community or in teams. As we move into an amplifier and to be more influential, that sense of community expands beyond the immediate team to the organization and to the people and services that we offer more broadly. So community becomes a bigger consideration in our values. The next value is responsibility. 
And this is a, a really important one because when it comes to responsibility and accountability, we pulled up the mirror. We take a deep interest in how we are influencing, how we show up, what is our impact. And we take a huge grain of, huge dose of humility in doing that. So a sense of responsibility is, is really important to us. Not because we want to have control, but because we want to be better in service to the end outcome and into the process and to the others around us. So responsibility changes a little bit. So instead of being the one always holding the conch, we want to be responsible for uplifting others and improving the system around us. So that's a subtle and important distinction. And it grows out of the value of success that we hold deeply as achievers. So as I was saying in the intro, we kind of reshape this whole notion of what is success. And the third value, I kind of hinted at that too, is learning and being really deeply interested and focused on learning is, is pretty critical for us. And this evolves out of one of the achiever values of progress. Now, progress in the achiever mindset is really about how do I get more, <laughs> more results, bigger results. And for an amplifier, this whole idea of learning is about how do we do things in a better way, not just to have more, uh, but to have a better impact. So, so those are some of the values that we've got as an amplifier. In terms of beliefs, these are some of the critical ones, and you can assess for yourself as we go through them where you sit with that. Um, some of the beliefs are, we are better together, we are all in this together. And it's easy to go, yeah, 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 I believe that. It's like, really? Do you really embody it? And I would challenge you to notice where you draw the line. <laughs> where does your we expand to? Does it include all the people who irritate you? Does it include all the people whose philosophy is different to yours? And if it doesn't, it's like, okay, you got some work to do because we includes all of the humans, even the humans that we are boggled by, um, befuddled by, that we have a really hard time understanding where they're coming from, or we are tempted to label as stupid, ignorant, backwards. And yeah, I've had conversations like that too. So I'm still working on this stuff too. So the beliefs are, this is a pretty important one. We are better together. We are all in this together. And that requires us to be deeply curious and deeply compassionate uh, for our fellow humans. Another belief is, if something goes wrong, look in the mirror. And this is building out of the value of responsibility. And this can be tough for leaders um, if we haven't done a lot of solid ego work and redefining success and being okay with failure. The next one is, everyone has something to offer. There is always more to learn. This helps exceedingly exceedingly importantly when it comes to developing other leaders. If everyone has something to offer and there's always something more to learn, that's how you actually make room in your own personal outlook for others to grow and for you to grow, by the way. So when it comes to redefining success, I would encourage you to think about if I can leave a legacy of other better leaders around me through the process of what I'm doing, that is success. Very different to I'm successful by meeting my targets or delivering this particular project. It's a subtle and important expansion of how you define success. So our goals as amplifiers are 
first of all, to build a better world. We are in service of galvanizing the troops to create a better future. Our goal is to rise together, not to rise above others. And our third goal is innovation, creating something new. (laughs) So if you're on board so far of this is what the lay of the land is for values, beliefs, and goals of an amplifier, cool. Listen in, McDuff. Now we're going to get to some really cool other resources, and we're going to dive deeply into this fantastic book, which I've only just discovered, which has been published for uh, almost a decade now, called um, Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And heads up, very exciting. Liz is coming on the show and her interview will be up towards the end of this quarter. So in about eight weeks or so, Liz Wiseman, who is the author of Multipliers, will be on the show. Hurrah. Her book, Multipliers, was a huge success. Um, And as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, no wonder it's a huge success. It's deeply well-researched. So there's a huge amount of research that went into identifying these patterns. And her main premise is that in leaders, there's kind of two distinct paths. There's those who are multipliers and those who are diminishers. So diminishers, let's start with them. Diminishers are those who reduce the output and inspiration of others around them. (laughs) No one wants to be a diminisher on purpose. Multipliers are those who produce a multiple effect uh, of um, for people around them in their particular behaviors. And I'm just going to pull out her book now. Hang on. It's on my e-reader. And I want to talk to one of their key frameworks. Oh, come on. Here we go. So the key distinction between diminisher and multiplier and is this. So how does a diminisher manage talent? They use them. How does a diminisher approach mistakes? Oh, they blame. How does a diminisher set direction? They tell. How does a diminisher set, sorry, make decisions? Well, they decide. How does a diminisher get things done? They control. So it's pretty heavy, right? Like no one wants to be that person who carries a big stick and tells people what to do and it's all up to them. And yet, so let's compare that to multipliers. And the first of all, the belief for the diminisher is they will never figure this out without me. This is the ego-driven one. And it's characteristic of the expert stage of leadership maturity, to be honest where we think we are the smartest person in the room. And it's often a struggle we get when we are an expert and we get promoted into management roles. And we work out that, hey, there's other smart people around. And this is a blow to our ego. And it's something that we have to reconcile pretty quickly if we're going to be successful as leaders. So the multiplier belief instead is people are smart and we'll figure this out. People are smart and we'll figure this out. Whoa, that's like a huge letting the reins go, isn't it? So how do they manage talent? They develop it. How do they approach mistakes? They explore them. How do they set direction? They challenge. How do they make decisions? They consult. How do they get things done? They support. It just sounds more fun being <laughs> being uh, led by a multiplier, doesn't it? Um, so the other thing she, Liz Wiseman talks about is the five key capacities for multipliers. And again, she does this nice little contrast frame of what does a diminisher do and what does a multiplier do? So as I go through the diminishers, 
take a little check for yourself. See, where are you sitting? Are you diminishing, perhaps? All right. So the assumption of diminishers, again, is people won't figure it out without me. And the disciplines of a diminisher, these are the bad things that you might be doing, are things like being an empire builder. You hoard resources and underutilize talent. Mm -hmm. You might be a tyrant. Create a tense environment that suppresses people's thinking and capability. Ugh. You might be the know-it-all. Gives directions and that showcase how much they know. Ugh. You might be the decision maker. Make, you make centralized, abrupt decisions that confuse the organization. Or, and we've heard a lot about this one, the micromanager. Drive results through their personal involvement in everything. So yeah, if you're doing any one of those, you might be a diminisher and you might be reducing the output of your team and your organization by 50%. Ooh, that's pretty big. Now, multipliers, in contrast, who believe that people are smart and will get figured out, have these five disciplines. And take note, hopefully you are doing some of these. Um, the talent magnet. You attract talented people and use them at their highest point of contribution. You might be the liberator. You create an intense environment that requires people's uh, best thinking and work. Ooh, that's nice. The challenger defines an opportunity that causes people to stretch. I love that one. The debate maker drives sound decisions through rigorous debate. And the investor gives other people ownership for results and invests in their success. Right. Got it? <laughs> There's your, your five key disciplines. Off you go. Now, um, if only life were so easy and simple, and it's not, unfortunately, what happens is what Liz Wiseman showcases in her um, research is that there's often accidental diminishers. People with good intentions thinking they're doing the right thing, they're actually creating bad outcomes. So, and she goes through a whole list of them. I'm going to summarize some of them. See, these are good intentions gone bad. And you might recognize, recognize yourself more here than the overt nasty list of the diminisher. You might be the idea guy or gal. So every day you come in with new ideas, busting the seams, wanting to excite people and uh, throw innovative ideas out there. But what happens is that if you're doing that as a leader, every day is exhausting because they don't know which idea to chase. And so people just lose momentum and just don't worry about following anything on uh, because your priorities change all the time. Um, that, and they stop offering ideas because you're obviously the ideas person. So that sucks. <laughs> Again, sounds good, right? Have all the ideas and then whew, balloon deflates. You might be the always on leader and you might be have oozing charisma, full of energy, uh, you are dynamic and powerful. But what happens is that when you come into a room, you're the loudest voice in the room, your energy fills the room, it steals the air, and there's no room for others. I've actually been around a leader like this, and it's, tr it's troubling uh, because you really want to be around them because they got so much energy and enthusiasm, etc. cetera. Uh, but there's no real sense of how you can be in the same room and how you can contribute because they have it all. They just provide the energy. So who are you? What do you do? It's hard to contribute. So again, you end up like piercing the balloon and deflating the energy around you. 
Or you might be the rescuer. Dun, dun, dun. I've been here. <laughs> this is the leader who lends a hand, resolves people's problems, helps them nudge them across the finish line. You're always kind of interfering without really allowing people to find their own way through. Uh, so people end up like throwing up their hands and giving up responsibility because they know that you're just going to come in and finish it up anyway. So nobody gets a sense of ownership or accomplishment on their own. You kind of steal the show from them, even though your intention was to help. Or you might be a pace setter. This is somebody who wants to set a good example by running ahead and um, just being so far ahead in terms of your productivity and your energy. It's, uh, it can be pretty tough. Um, here's a physical example of when I did this. So embarrassing to admit this. Um, so on one of my outdoor programs, it was a, we were on a kayaking leg. Uh, and I was paddling with a participant who was pretty adept at paddling. And I have heaps of experience, so I was pretty good. And we were, we just paddled miles ahead of everybody else. And everybody else was a new, a new paddler. And they struggled to get the sense of how to kayak together and how to steer the thing. And so we ended up a, like a kilometer ahead of them and just ended up waiting and waiting, waiting. And what I discovered is rather than encouraging people to paddle harder, they just paddled slower because <laughs> they got demoralized, right? Like you've been there that way too, where somebody is so much better than you, they just power ahead and you just kind of go, well, what's the point? It happens to me sometimes when I'm running. When somebody just sails past, you think there's no way I'll ever catch up to that. And so you end up, rather than challenging yourself and being inspired by their example, you kind of get deflated. So it's a little bit like the challenge skill ratio when it comes to flow, kind of, if you want to set the good example, but you power so far ahead of people and your, your expectations are so huge and your benchmark is so high that rather than inspiring people, you demotivate them and they give up trying. So yeah, not so good. Or you might be the rapid responder. And this is where you see a problem, you just solve it. And so you become a bottleneck in the organization because you're like, yep, that's a problem. Here's a decision, get it done. So all of a sudden you have this like massive flow of actions for other people to take because you've just solved all the problems, made all the decisions and blasted it. And the intention was to be agile, right? Don't be, you don't want to be a decision maker blocker. So you just solve problems and get things out there. Uh, but what happens is that you steal the ability for other people to solve their own problems and you just exhaust them by having all these things sorted and they need to execute on. So they're just trying to execute as opposed to problem solve and develop their own capacities. Yeah. All right. Number six in terms of the, there's nine of these, by the way, <laughs> six of these accidental uh, diminishers. One is, next one is optimist. What's wrong with being an optimist? Well, this is the thing, right? So if you're like, oh, you can do that. That's not a problem. You can get it done. And if you're always optimistic that way, you may be brushing over people's challenges. You may not be honoring the challenges they're going through. So you might like, oh, yeah, it's a piece of cake. And it's not a piece of cake for somebody else. And they get, again, demoralized by that or feel stupid because it should be easy and they don't feel that it is. So we need to balance, you know, sensible optimism. I think we can be optimistic without being dismissive of people's challenges. So be mindful of that one. Number seven is protector. How could this be a problem? 
Well, if you're playing Mama Bear and you're trying to shield people from the politics of the board, say, for example, and keep all the issues hidden from them so that they don't get upset, this is a problem. Uh, it's kind of cotton wooling your team. It's not great. And I think it's one thing to create safety in a team where people can raise issues and, and, challenge, uh, and challenge one another than it is to shield them from politics. I, I think you don't, want to, you don't want to shield them from reality. I think you can create a robust conversation place for people, but don't, don't hide from them the reality of the situation. It might be an ugly situation that you're contending with. So mama bear protector is a problem. Number eight is the strategist. How could a strategist be a problem? <laughs> the strategist is a problem if you're the big picture vision person. If you're the one who comes down from the mountain and says, here, let's go this way, you become the guru. Everybody will need to check with you about, does this fit the direction of where we're going? And one of the key attributes or key disciplines, if you remember that I mentioned, of being a multiplier, aka amplifier, is to challenge rather than dictate where we're going. And what you can seed, and what Liz Wiseman says beautifully in your book is you want to seed a challenge rather than sell a vision. Seed a challenge rather than sell a vision. I think this is a lovely distinction and a fabulous practice to have. So rather than saying, painting the picture of this is where we're going, the future of the world looks like this, let's go. You might say, how do we create a world where there's equality, or how do we create an organization that is both streamlined and innovative? How do we, you know, if you start your seeding a challenge like that, you open up the space for other people to come up with ideas. So you don't have to be the ideas person, which is a bit of a relief, to be honest, you can let go of that piece of control. And you get to magnify the ideas that will come by seeding this challenge. And the last uh, accidental diminisher is the perfectionist. Yeah, and we probably already know a little bit this one. This is where, as a perfectionist, your intention is to make the work even better. And so you helpfully, in quotation air quotes, point out the little mistakes, how they can uh, fix up things, how things can be improved. And you're aiming for excellence, but really you're demoralizing those around you. And I think there's a really important aspect of that as perfectionist leaders need to be mindful of, is what are you afraid of? And what is the worst that can happen if it's 90% done? Does that 10% help you, help the organization, and help the people with whom you are giving this constructive feedback endlessly? <laughs> okay, now, awesome resources for you. This, this book just keeps on giving. If you go to the book website, which is multipliersbooks.com, so there's two S's in there, and there's all sorts of, if you get the typos wrong, it sends you off in different directions, but it's called multipliersbooks.com. You can take one of their assessments. It's free about whether or not you are an accidental diminisher. How good is that? So you might self-assess, but here you go. Take the really quick survey. It'll send you a customized report saying where you might be an accidental diminisher, and even better, which experiments you can run to change you from accidental diminisher into a multiplier. So the book also includes these fabulous little experiments that you can run to, to start to hone these five disciplines of, 
a multiplier. And here's one experiment I think is sound and across the board, which I'm getting all of my amplifiers to do, is this. It's their first, their first one is um, called Name the Genius. Name the Genius. And the whole premise is that everyone is brilliant at something. And what your, your task is, should you choose to accept it, is to look at your team members and for each of them, identify something that they do that is better than anything else that they do. Like, what's the best thing that they do? What do they do better than other people can do? What do they do easily? And what do they do freely without having to ask? So this takes a bit of conscious attention to the people around you to figure out what might be their native genius. Okay. I really hope you do this task. I think it's really, really important. Okay. Um, get that done. Coming up on the show, very exciting, tomorrow is an interview with Matt Casey. He's an author and also an experienced IT leader. He's got a really interesting tale to tell when he was stepped into a CEO role after these fantastic founders of the startup IT business. And his task was not to grow the business, but to consolidate it. So very different ethos required from his CEO compared to the charismatic founders. And what he did, he decided, because he had, he had to make his, the whole business be self-supporting, is that he would ax all of the common HR practices. <laughs> so he's a bit of renegade in that area. So he cut things like performance reviews. So no more performance reviews, no more performance ratings, and no more recurring meetings. So that is the conversation coming up with author Matt Casey. I really hope you enjoy it. It was really fun to interview him. I'm not necessarily agreeing with everything that he says, but, and that's one of the beauties of the podcast is that you can come on and listen to ideas and agree or not agree. All right. See you next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed this solo sode. Uh, if you want to get articles and tips on my blog, go to zoerouth.com and my newsletter pop-up will come up and you can get the People Stuff Toolkit, which at the moment, and it will be changing, gives you free access to my third book, Loyalty, and all the handouts that go along with that. If you want to connect with me, email me, zoe at intercompass.com.au or send me a connection request or reach out on LinkedIn at Zoe Routh. Um, and you spell that like Routh, like mouth with an R. <laughs> That's Routh, mouse with an R. If you want to become a wise and compassionate leader, delivering bigger and better results, consider joining us in Amplifiers. It's our flagship program and community for CEOs, managing directors, and senior executives from various sectors. And you can go to zoeroutcom slash amplifiers hyphen program. Okay, in the meantime, live well, lead well. You've been listening to the Zoe Routh Leadership Podcast with leadership expert Zoe Routh. For more about people stuff and to contact Zoe, go to zoerouth.com.